Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of Wednesdays with Wheels. We're just a few minutes early, but we thought, hey, let's jump on a few minutes early. People will jump in and join us when we when they uh, uh, when they see the live notification go out because we do do it on uh, Streamyard. One th- real quick, one thing I'm noticing with this new program I'm using, Streamyard. I think in order for me to see some of your comments on the screen, you might have to enable or allow StreamYard to, uh, and it's in your settings on Facebook, I believe, uh, to allow StreamYard to post your comments. Some I'm seeing and some I'm not. So uh, if we're not seeing them or we're not responding to them, that's probably why. Ladies and gentlemen, this edition of Wednesdays with Wheels is brought to you by Falenga's Gourmet and Arts and Cotton Candy. Falenga's takes cotton candy to a whole new level. Uh, we're not talking your, reg- your regular flavors like blueberry and uh, cherry. No, no, no. We're talking about flavors like... Uh, uh, we're talking flavors like uh, banana, uh, Shirley Temple, Fireball, things like that. Flavors that really pop. Uh, if you want to check it out, go over to Falenga's Gourmet and Artist Gone Candy. Uh, they have a website. They also have a Facebook page, and you can find them at the public market. They do things like cotton candy cakes. Uh, it's a cake made out of cotton candy. Your dentist, model, your dentist might not like it, but your taste buds will love it. You'll worry about the dentist bill later, I'm sure. So check out Falenga's. Check out my good friend Jennifer and uh, on all her social media. They're also at the public market. And if you go to the public market and tell them you heard this ad right here, uh, you will get a dollar off your purchase. So that's always some incentive to go get it there. Go to Falenga's Gourmet and Artist and Candy. Your taste buds will thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm really excited about this podcast. I have with me, now listen. You've seen his son and his daughter-in-law on my podcast a couple times now. They, they're they sort of TikTok famous. They go by Delby. That's Dylan and Colby. But now I have his dad, Coach Tim Hastings. Tim, how are you? I am doing good. How are you today? I'm doing great. And listen, when I say coach, I don't mean not to take anything away from you, Tim. I don't know. You might be a great basketball player. But I'm not talking about a basketball coach or a football coach. I'm talking about a life coach. Absolutely. So talk to me a little bit. Before we jump into some of the podcasts, tell me what a a life coach is and what you do. Okay, so a life coach is, is someone that's going to coach you through life. And what I've done is taken life coach to a, a different uh, avenue, what I like to do is be a leadership coach because I believe everybody's a leader from the boardroom to the diaper room or vice versa. However you get there, you're leading somebody or you're leading yourself. So I choose to be more of a leadership coach. You can find coaches out there for anything really at relationship coaches. You can find life coaches, business coaches. I really towards being a leadership coach because every leader is going to have life issues and helping those uh, people get through their life issues is what it's all about. Sure. And uh, we're going to get into 
uh, throughout this podcast. By the way, I we're we're the first part of the podcast is going to focus on um, the leadership coaching, and we're going to talk a lot about that. And then the second half of the podcast is going to talk about um, what it was, what it's been like for you as a father of a of a son with uh, special needs, and we're going to dive deep into that uh, uh, because I think. You know, as someone with special needs myself, uh, everybody's saying to me, uh, Wheels, you need to interview your mom. We want to hear from your mom. And my mom is very camera shy. So she uh, likes to stay behind the scenes. So I said, you know what? There's nobody better that I can have on than you to talk about that as well, because I think uh, I think that could bring, bring some great perspective to people. But let's jump into the, the coaching aspect first. Okay. First, Tim, I want to. My first question is, what made you want to do this? Well, what really made me want to do this? I used to. uh, I retired from the Boeing company, and while I was out there, I found that we had a lot of managers and very few leaders, and I wanted to correct that. So I dove deep into being a leadership coach what does it take to be a leader number one and then as i got to be a stronger leader i chose to uh, start coaching so that's what really drove me and uh, i have a certificate with uh, a group called invite change and they're out of uh, washington state and then i decided okay that's pretty good coaching it took me two years to get through that class a lot of hours of coaching uh, the requirements are pretty strong. And uh, then there's the International uh, Coaching uh, Federation that, that you can join after you get your certificates and all that. So, so th- it's a really strong business. And then I decided I wanted to do something a little bit different because there's all different avenues to go. I wanted to learn from others what their coaching was all about. So I started searching, you have Tony Robbins, you have different ones. And I, I stumbled upon, or I'd known a long time ago, this guy named John C. Maxwell. And John Maxwell is an excellent uh, leader. He's, he's uh, a speaker, he writes books. One of, one of the most involved coaching, speaking, uh, leadership, uh, people in the whole world. So I became a John Maxwell coach and a speaker and a trainer. So now I have a whole bunch of different techniques that I can use to help people. And, and really, I think it's just been set into my DNA to help people. I just love helping people. Yeah, it's, uh, I, 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 you know, and it's, it's interesting because when you and I were talking yesterday, I said, I don't really know a lot about this subject and we did a little bit of uh you did a little bit of coaching for me which we're going to dive into a little bit but i want to talk to you a little bit before we do that just about so you said you went through two years of training with your first the first program Uh how much training do you go into did you have to do with the the maxwell uh, uh uh leadership coaching that was a little over a year, okay. Uh, right at a year, and uh, I'm still associated with them. 
I am now in mentorship with John Maxwell and uh, they're helping, you know, with all the other things that I, I want to do. I want to, uh, to do more speaking, public speaking. So I, I'm choosing that path. John Maxwell uh, gives you both paths, actually business building path, uh, speaking path, leading and uh so and training path so you can choose whatever you want to with john maxwell so it, it's kind of cool the hours that you spend you spend a lot of hours to get a certificate it takes uh you at least have to have 100 coaching hours which is a lot of 30 minute sessions i'm sure yeah it did uh i'm i'm assuming that all those hours uh, lead you into different aspects of people. So you, you're going, it's going to teach you how to deal with or how to lead all different types of people, right? Because as human beings, we're all different types of people. And as a leader or as a leadership coach, you need to know, I guess the word I'm going to use is you need to know the right buttons to push to lead that person. Yes. And what I hope to do as a coach is to make sure that the person knows that they're whole, capable, responsible, and creative. Mm -hmm. So if I can leave that with, with the person I'm coaching and they walk out knowing that they're empowered, then that's the real key. Uh, when you look at coaching versus uh, psychologists that want to dive into the past, uh, it's a big difference because you don't want someone to tell you what you need to do or analyze as a coach. You, you don't want to analyze your clients or start telling them what to do. You want that. You want to help them bring out the person they need to have and uh, know that they're capable of, of handling whatever situation on their own. But a lot of people don't know that they have that inside them. So as a coach, you're just sitting in the passengers, uh, the passenger side of the car, letting the person drive, let them drive wherever they want and just actually uh, sit alongside them and pull out the very best out of out of the client. So you're pretty you're you. I mean, you're sitting you're sitting in the passenger seat, but just to use another analogy, you're like the co-pilot. And uh, you know, absolutely <laughs> you're you're there to to. Uh, you know, not steer the ship, but uh, make sure the ship stays on the path that the client wants it to stay on, I would assume. Absolutely. So if, with coaching, you meet the client right in the middle, right where they are. You don't try to dig up the past or dig up the future. Where are they right now? Where do they want to go? Right. Now, let me ask you, Let's uh, for the people that are, going, uh, that are watching this now and later that are going to be listening to to it on all the different uh, podcasting platforms that it can be found on, like the iHeartRadio app, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts. If people wanted to get a hold of you, if they wanted to, uh, to get a coaching session from you, how would they do that? They actually can hit me up on Messenger or uh, I'm Possible Coaching and uh, dot com, and I I can't remember I. I have a group page and I can't remember the, the tag on it right now, but it, I think it's I'm possible coaching 20. Uh, 
and I will have that information before we before so we jump on. Impossiblecoaching.com. Yeah. Right. And then we think it's Impossible Coaching 20. So if anybody's interested in in uh in what they hear on the podcast today, uh, that's where you can reach uh I'm gonna call you the coach. I'm just gonna call <laughs> you the coach. Uh and uh coach Tim and uh Tim, let's talk about uh you know, because I I uh, one of the things that I aim to do with my podcast Wednesdays with Wheels is uh, in my uh, in my position that I've gathered with radio, I've been able to introduce some fair, very influential people. But when I started this podcast, I wanted to tell the story about uh, people that you may not know, like yourself, because I believe that you don't have to be famous to have a story. Everybody has a story. So, and I'm saying all of this to say that I'm very open and honest about my story and my life. So yesterday you and I did a little coaching. Uh, well, you did the coaching. I did the talking. And uh, and um, the first thing you asked me, and then I'm going to kind of let you take over and we'll just sort of maybe do what we did yesterday if that's possible. I'm okay with that. Um, but what, the first thing you asked me was, what, where do I, where do I want to improve myself, right? Or what area do I feel like I struggle in the most that I want to improve upon? And the area that I said to you was, uh, 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 relationships. And we were talking about romantic relationships, uh, and that I seem to struggle with that. And, uh, so, um, it was interesting because a lot of what you did was very thought provoking and made me, uh, uh, there were a couple of times I think I told you, well, I'd have to really sit back and think about that. So we can do a little bit about that, but I just wanted to know before we jump into that, do you find that a lot with, with some of your clients that the questions that you ask, like they can't, they don't always, can they always give you an answer right away or do they have to sit and reflect on it for a little while? No, sometimes the actual coaching happens the next day. Okay. So that's when you get the aha, the, the moment of, oh, wow, I should have thought about that. Or I hadn't thought about that. It's, it's that answer that shows up later that really helps the, the client out. It's not always going to be during the coaching session. It can be, and that's what you're hoping for, that the client just walks away going, wow, I just had a mind blowing experience because coaching is all about the client. It is never about the coach and the coach should never uh, lead or, or move the client to a direction that the coach thinks that they need to, to go because that's not coaching. That's kind of coach telling or, or coach driving. And again, I'm not in the, the driver's seat. You've got the wheel. You do whatever you want to with that wheel. And I'm just going to go along and I will ask really thought provoking questions. And I had, uh, my, the people that taught me invite change, they would, uh, always tell me, ask the question that's going to get you fired because that's the question that needs to be asked to the client. And when you know it, you know it, you ask that question. It's, it's not always that easy. And I think last night I did ask you some questions that were pretty hard and some questions that would make you really reflect. 
So, uh, and think about this. Our life right now is, is running at a blur. Everything is just going so fast. We never take time to pause. And whenever we take that time to pause and we really take the time to reflect on what's going on in our lives, different questions pop up. Or we can see where maybe we're off the path a little bit and we can get back on. Right. So taking that pause is a huge thing. Yeah, and I think, to be honest with you, uh, the pandemic, while it caused a lot of people a lot of heartache and a lot of stress, and it was also, in in a way, good because it did give us that little bit of time to, we had to stop and pause. We weren't at a, at a, at a, at a frantic pace with life. Uh, life was sort of on hold, and we got to maybe sit back and examine our lives a little bit. I know, I know I did. And, uh, and, uh, while it was challenging, there were also some positives that came out of it. One being this podcast and some other things, but, uh, Tim, let's just, we'll talk a little bit about yesterday and what we, what we talked about. So I struggled with relationships and finding that, uh, special someone and, I'm always envious of the people that say, I'm okay by myself. I can, uh, you know, I, I don't need anybody. I wish I could be that guy because as I was explaining to you, I'm the type of guy that sort of feels like a whole person, uh, when I'm, when I have somebody, um, and one of, one of the things you, uh, pointed me in the direction of, or, or made me think differently of, well, what is it that you're putting out there that the other person is seeing? What do you want in a partner? Because are you making that clear? And uh, can you just touch on that a little bit? And maybe maybe we could talk about that. Yeah, so one of the questions that I asked you actually came from uh, a guy named Andy Stanley. And uh, he's, he's in Georgia. He's a great leader, uh, great speaker. And he always says, if you want to have a great relationship, be the person, the person you're looking for is looking for. So the question that I asked you last night is, are you the person, the person that you're looking for is looking for, which made you stop and think about what kind of person am I? What am I putting out there? You know, and what's coming back because what I put back in in the world will come back to you. Mm. And it's interesting because the more and more I thought about that, the more and more I thought, you know, when I'm doing this, I've often said to people, if I could walk around with a microphone in front of my face, I could pretty much say anything. Uh, that This is almost like a barrier between me and whoever I'm talking to, right? right. But when I don't have that, I, I often revert into a shell. So it is interesting that I might not be conveying the most confident person uh, when I'm out there meeting people. One of, the, one of the other things that I said to you was, well, it's not, it, it's not so much me, or I don't think it's me, as it's the way the outside world views me. And I think one of the things you said to me was, well, think about it this way. Those people that aren't viewing you in that 
the way they should be or the way you want them to, do you really want them as part of your your life anyway? So, uh, and and again, I think, and touch on this a little bit, is it different, do you think, as a life coach coming, when it's coming from somebody that I don't have, like, we're this is the first time you and I have really communicated other than last night, but do you think from your other clients, and I could tell you from personal experience, that coming from a stranger, my ears were almost opened more than if it was coming from maybe someone who knew me well or a family member. Absolutely. So being able to to open up to someone that you really trust. Here's, here's what happens with whenever you're talking to your buddy, right? Or if you're sitting around having drinks with someone. Or they think they're really helping and they're going to start asking you, why do you do this? Why do you do that? Why don't you, why don't you go do this? Why don't you go do that? And they throw all these why questions at you. Why, 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 why? Well, as a coach, if a coach asks you a why question, it's time to stop because what a, a why question is, is a poke in the chest. And eventually the client will get very defensive. If you notice, when we were talking, I never ask you a why question. I ask you how, and I ask you what. That way it kept you open to any ideas that were coming into your, your uh, thought process. And you were able to, you, I never put you on the defensive by asking you a why. So I think what happens is we have this, and I made up a word a long time ago that's called assumication. We assume that we're communicating. And what happens as a coach, a coach is trained to, to really listen and understand because I don't need you to understand me. My job is to understand you. So I'm listening to understand rather than, rather than trying to be understood. So it's a whole different thing. And it is interesting, too. I was looking at that's I mean, that's an even looking at it in a deeper way, but I was looking at it from the sense of when, you know, when you talk to your friends and family about certain situations, you always feel like they're telling you what you want to hear. Right. right. So when you, when you, when I was talking to someone like you, uh, I, I didn't get that, that feeling, right. You were, you're, you're an objective observer from what I'm telling you and you're asking me questions to make me think even more. And I think sometimes our friends and our family, they mean well, but they're not objective. So it's, it's hard to, to put yourself in that situation. Right. And I think on your end of the deal, and I could be wrong. Well, for me, whenever I was going through coaching, because to become a really good coach, you have to really work on who you are and what you're about so you don't take on what the client is, is handing out and you have to be able to not take that on. So you have to know who you are as a coach. So I went through many hours of, of coaching. The difference was I was investing in me and that made a difference last night. You were investing in you. So it was very important for you to get something out of the, the conversation that we have because you're investing in you. If you were just talking to a buddy, you're not really investing. You're, you're venting. 
or you're just having a conversation. Right. So, so it's a big difference. And, and think about this. People spend lots of money all week long on food, drinks, coffee, or whatever, but are they investing in themselves to grow? And last night you were investing in yourself to grow. Mm. And that was time and money well spent. It sure was. It was definitely time well spent. I, I will tell you that it was a, it was a, a, uh, a great session for me. I, 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 I will tell you one of the things that we had talked about and many people that are going to be listening to this podcast, because I've been very open and honest about it, that three years ago, I went through a very hard breakup and, uh, some things were said to me that should never be said to any human being alive. Uh, and one of the things you said to me was because I had said something to you, I believe along the lines of, you know, I'm still carrying that, that with me. And, and those words that were spoken to me still, uh, ring in my head. And, and I even said to you, Tim, I know and you said to me, well, many people don't know what I'm about to tell you that I know, but you, I said, I know that I shouldn't let one person's opinion of me or my situation affect me, but it has. And one of the things you said to me that was sort of eye-opening to me was for three years, you've been carrying around, and this is a podcast so we can swear, I'm going to swear a little bit, you've been carrying around somebody else's bag of shit. Why are you doing that? Right? Because those feelings that that person had about my situation or me had nothing to do with me. It, those were their feelings. So why are you carrying around their feelings? And worse yet, why have you been doing it for three years? Yeah. What makes you want to carry a, along someone else's bag, right? Yeah. Because... There has to be something inside of you that says, I want to keep this bag. It's comfortable. It also allows uh, anytime you want to, to go be victim, go back to victimville, right? It's not empowering. So right. what can you do to be more empowered by setting down that bag of shit and walking on? You don't need to. It's just stinking up your life. Right. So yeah, it's that, that was a good, good understanding on your part is like, wow. That is something I can let go of. What yeah. do I replace it with? Right. That was your question. Well, right. And that, that brings up the next question, right? Because I said to you, because I'm a very analytical thinker. I am very, I, I can sit down. I often tell my friends I can give great advice, right? I just can't take my own advice. So I would often, if this was one of my friends, if this was you and you were coming to me and you were saying, wheels, this is going on in my life, I'd almost want to shake you and say, what are you doing? But I can't, I can't take that advice. So when I said to you, well, what do I replace it with? And of course, as a coach, you don't give me those answers because I'm steering the ship. That's the, that's the, that's the million dollar, that, that's the piece that you've got to find. Or the piece that I've got to find, what can I find to replace it with? Because it might not be a relationship in the near future, but it could be something else. Yeah. So, and and that's a, a really good question. We we landed on that is the piece of the puzzle that we need to look for. 
right? Mm. What, can, what can I replace it with? And if you think about what you're doing in your life and what you want to be going back to the, the million dollar, the first million dollar question, what, uh, what do I have to do to be the person that the person is looking for is looking for, right? That's something that you could replace it with by saying, okay, I'm going to go be that person. I I'm going to be confident because that's what I want out of that person is confidence. I'm going to be more open and loving and throw that out there because that's what I'm looking for is someone that's open and loving and confident and likes to go out and do things and doesn't, doesn't look at, they look at me as a person, not as a package deal. Because the more I sit here and think about it and the more we're talking about this live on on Facebook and I don't really, you know, I'm, I'm open and honest. So this is, this is the real me. And, but the more I, the more I sit here and think about it, it's almost like I make too big a deal when it comes to relationships and romantic relationships. I make too big a deal about the wheelchair where if I'm making such a big deal about it, that might be all they see. That's what I'm putting out there. So wow. Yeah. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We might have just had another breakthrough here, folks. Uh, so listen, I did have one other question before we before we get off the coaching topic. Sure. There's something you said to me just a few minutes ago. You had to learn through your coaching techniques how not to take on the clients, uh, you know, because that can be, uh, depending on the topic, I'm sure that could be a heavy burden to to take home yourself. Um, how do you do that? Because it can be, I'm assuming it can be pretty draining at times. It can. Uh, and you have to condition yourself with, or I had to condition myself uh, whenever I first started coaching because it was draining. Listening to people tell me all different things. You know, I've, I've coached on, uh, Mama, daddy relationships. I've coached on uh, financial relationships. I've coached on bad, uh, a bad boss, right? So here's a classic one, the bad boss. I have the worst boss in the world and he does this and that, 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 and he doesn't ever look at me. He doesn't respect me. And, and it's easy as a coach because I've had many bad bosses in my life. And it's easy to say, you know what? I'm right there with you. And you just jump in with them. And now you're sitting over here in Victimville and you're not coaching anymore. Right. So you have to be able to catch yourself and say, I've been in that situation, but it's not my job to give you suggestions. It's my job to ask you, what are you going to do in this situation? What can you do? So uh, you just have to condition, you know, for a, a coach, Coaches have to condition themselves to ensure that they're not jumping into the, the, the pool. You just have to stay in coach mode. And believe me, there's, uh, whenever I'm just hanging out at the house, I'm not really in coach mode at all the time, but there's a time and this is more of that training. When do you need to, when do you need the right person to show up on center stage? Because we all have different, I've done a lot of voice dialogue also 
which is uh, we have all different voices, not that we're schizophrenic or anything. We just have different voices that service differently in different situations. So, uh, which is really intriguing whenever you really dive into it a little bit. I have a leadership voice. I have a manager voice. I found that guy and had to uh, eradicate him from my life if I was going to be a leadership, a leader. So, and then I have a dad voice. When do I need to be dad? Then when do I need to be husband? And I have to keep all those in perspective. When do they serve me best? And that's a, that's another thing about coaching is you can hear and listen to the different voices of the client or the different, your different voices. No, so that that it's a good segue into the next part of this podcast because, and I'll and I'll start it out. I didn't think this was going to be my first question, but can a leader? Can you, as a leadership coach, can you coach? Can you coach your family, or is that should should they go somewhere else for that? You can coach your family if you want to get shot. <laughs> That's what I was thinking myself, but I was going to let you uh, steer the ship on that one. So uh, it's not, it is not preferred to coach family or friends. Right. Uh, because, well, you can coach friends, but you have to be, you know, there's ethical guidelines that have to be uh, met and maintained. And coaching family just gets you too deep into the mud because right. uh, now my wife, she would probably tell you, and she's told me a couple of times, uh, don't coach me. Well, I use coaching techniques, but I've never had a coaching session with her. Right. Uh, so I stay away from it. Now my daughter, uh, she is also a, uh, a coach, she has taken the same training as me, except for the John Maxwell training. And she is a wonderful coach. Uh, we had one session. And I, I can't remember. I think it was before she decided to become a leadership coach. We had a session and I really had to set dad aside and just be coach. And I had to ask her to set dad aside. Uh, because she was, we were talking about a real life issue, right? That she had been struggling with for a, a lot of years. Uh, it wasn't necessarily towards me, which was really a good topic. And she came out of that knowing at that moment that that's what she wanted to do the rest of her life was be a coach. Right. And, uh, so, so it was real powerful. You can, it's not preferred. Uh, it's got to be tough because you can't look at you can't look at certain situations. I would think it would be tough because you can't look at certain situations objectively, right? Because you're in the you're sort of in the middle of it. But so then, that brings this that brings me to the next part of the podcast that I want to talk about, and uh, it's it it's uh, something that you and I uh, both know very much about from two different perspectives. Uh, but, uh, you have a son, uh, that has, uh, special dystrophy or special needs and he has, uh, a form of muscular dystrophy. And so first of all, let me talk to you a little bit about when you first got the diagnosis. And because 
for people that that have never and you know we we hope that you know every baby that's born is born happy and healthy and and no parent has to deal with some of the things that my mom's had to deal with and you and your wife have had to deal with uh but when you first got the diagnosis what was the first what was the first reaction uh. So I'm older. I came up through a, a very hard generation that wasn't touchy-feely, wasn't uh, whenever I first got the diagnosis, I thought that there was some reason why I had to go through this. Mm. What did I do wrong? Mm. Right? Uh, and that that goes back to lots of old old school teaching and, and beliefs and stuff like that. So I had to screw my head on straight that it wasn't something that I did or something my wife did. It was one of those things. And, and I actually read a book uh, called Why Do Bad Things Happen to Good People? And it was a really interesting book and it helped me get my head a, a little bit straighter mm. as far as uh, how I was looking at it. You know, used to whenever you had a special needs kid or you had someone that was blind, the belief was you as a parent, you did something wrong. You're mm. you're going to be punished. You know, this is your punishment. Right. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, and then I think and uh, and uh, you, you you well, I'm going to ask you what after you just said you read a book, but um Along the way, what 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 things changed for you that you you realized it wasn't you weren't being punished, you didn't do anything wrong. This is just something that happened. And where where I'm sure there was a moment where you and your wife sat down and said, We need to give Dallin the most um we need to treat him like everyone else, and he's no different than anyone else. Yeah, so Back, we didn't have the internet. <laughs> I'm really aging myself here on on this podcast. Huh. But we did we didn't have the internet, and we didn't have so there was this uh, this lady. Her name was Ann Landers. Uh, she w- had a newspaper column. Yeah, uh, I, yeah, I know of Ann Landers. Sure. All right. So anyhow, she had a publication, and it was talking about this lady that. For nine months, she was getting ready to go to France. She couldn't wait to go to France. She had all the brochures. She had selected all the money and had all the money, and her destination was planned out day after day after day after day after day. She knew it was going to be the best trip. She spent lots of money. She prepared for nine months. She gets on the plane, and she's headed, and the captain comes over, the speaker, and he says, I'm sorry we're not going to be able to make it to France. We're going to have to divert to Holland. And her hopes and her dreams fell apart. Right. And she's like, I only have this one special time in my life to have the perfect vacation, but I'm not going to have it because they're diverting me to Holland. And then whenever she gets to Holland, she had to stop and realize if I worry and I face all my worry and push push everything over to France where I'm never going to get to see, 
I'll never see the beauty of Holland. And that little write-up made a big difference because at the end of the write-up, it says that's what it's like to have a special needs child. You prepare for the perfect trip to France. You end up in Holland, and unless you can set that aside, quit carrying around that bag of crap of France and open your eyes to the beauty of Holland, you're going to miss out on a lot of life. Right. So at that, after reading that, I'm like, it's time for me to see the beauty of, of this special needs child. Right. And that opened me up quite a bit. So, uh, you know, as, as a parent, you're going to search for answers, but you need to find something for me. I needed to find something that would help me see him as whole and capable. And I hadn't even started coaching back then, but I had to, had to start seeing Dallin for how Dallin was not for how the world was looking at him or for the way I was looking at him because I did. I, I looked at him as he had a disability. I looked at him as, you know, this is my lot in life. And it, it was a hard way to be looking at things. And, and I knew it would be an uphill battle if I chose to keep him in that mindset. Yeah. And obviously I mean, I, it's so funny because Dallin and I, uh, it's amazing how the internet, uh, you know, for all the, the bad you hear about the internet, there's so much good that comes of the internet, right? Cause I never would have met Dallin and Colby if it wasn't for TikTok and seeing their, their funny little things that they do on TikTok to normalize their relationship. Um, but talk to me a little bit about, uh, because muscular dystrophy uh, is is a degenerative disease. Mm -hmm. um, so just talk to me a little bit about that, because though that brings up some challenges, too, where, you know, and Dale and I have talked about it, where when he was younger, he could do more than he could do now. So as a parent, how do you, and even for me, with my mom, you know, like my mom's always pushing me, do as much as you can. So is that what you do with Dallin? Do as much as you can, and then we're here to help you when you need the help? Uh, no. With Dallin, it's more of how can we partner together to, uh, to allow him to do all the things he wants to do. When he was about eight years old, he came out to me. I was uh, taking care of the yard, mowing and, and weed eating and one thing after another. He said, Dad, is there a way I could help you? Is there a way I could be useful to you? And what he wanted to do, he was, he, he just wanted to have that connection with me. Mm. And I said, you know what? Let me think about it. So I was able to, and I spent a good 30, 45 minutes trying to rig up the, the air blower to his chair so he could blow off the driveway. Right. Now I could have blown that driveway off in three minutes. Right. I spent about 45 minutes with bungee cords and wraps and one thing after another, because I had to allow him to push the, the lever with his elbow, drive his wheelchair and, uh, 
have the stick long enough to where it would blow down on the driveway. Right. So he knew at that moment that I would do everything possible to make it normal for him. Right. And the neighbor saw him and he hollered at us. He said, Dallin, I'll pay you 50 cents to come blow off my driveway. So Dallin runs across the street with the blower and he blows off the driveway. And every time I mowed, Dallin would come out and, and we would, I'd spend another 20 minutes, you know, it got easier as time went on. Right. Uh, But I would sit there and make sure that he was able to blow off the driveway. And whenever Dallin was, uh, gosh, I can't remember when we got, really wrapped in are involved with muscular dystrophy association. I told him, I said, son, you need to go out there and, and, uh, to muscular dystrophy camp. And they had offered it to us for years. And, and he, he said, dad, I'm not like those kids. I said, what do you mean? He said, I like to play guns and army and, and ride around in my, uh, wheelchair with my friends that ride bikes. We ride bikes together. I'm not like one of those kids out there at the, the muscular dystrophy camp. And I said, that's the reason why you need to go out there. So not only did he go out to the muscular dystrophy camp, he became the uh, goodwill ambassador for the state of Kansas and held that for a couple of years. So I knew I was dealing with someone different that did not see himself as disabled or in a wheelchair or, or any different than all the rest of the kids that he was working with. That made me have to push myself stronger, had to push myself in uh, physically and mentally to keep up with him. Right. And that was huge. Yeah, it is interesting because I, I, uh, I think uh, being like Dallin in that sense, when you grow up around most of, most of my peers were able-bodied. So then when, when you when you grow up in that sort of uh, atmosphere, you don't really see yourself as any different because you're find, you are finding different ways to do the things that they're doing, but you're doing the same things they're doing. When really, once he went off to camp, he probably found out that those children uh, that were at the camp liked to do the exact same things that he was doing at home. And he learned a whole lot of things at camp that he probably shouldn't learn. I heard those camps can be kind of fun. Yeah, that, that was a fun time for him. Yeah. Uh, I, I got to tell you a funny story. And we were at, at the uh, doctor's office, uh, the neurologist. Now, this is a brilliant neurologist there in Wichita, Kansas. And uh, he asked Dowling, he said, Dallin, what's the worst thing about being in a wheelchair? And without hesitation, and Dallin was what, maybe six, seven years old. He might have been eight. Without hesitation, he looked at the doctor and he said, you can't run away from your farts. Ah. <laughs> so, and I think that's when the doctor realized, hey, we either got to start helping this boy start living because he ain't, he is not going to die. Right. Right. We're not going to let him die. He has got too much to offer. So you, 
we all have a choice. We can either get busy dying or we can get busy living. Right. And Dallin has always chose to live. And I think he's living one of the very best lives he possibly can. Uh, he's done stuff. He's got a, a mindset that is so strong that I think he has taught me more in his 30 years than I think anybody else has ever taught. Right. And I think that's some of, and where I, I look, I look to Dallin as, as a, as a pillar of strength, even for me, because, you know, the tough, some of the times the toughest part is, uh, we're very smart individuals, but people may not see that because they see the chair, right? And one of the things that impresses me about Dallin is that he says, I'm not going to let you see the chair. I'm going to let you see me for who I am. And I think that takes a very uh, strong individual. Now, well, and and I want to add to that, if you don't mind. Yeah, go ahead. I think what he does is, yes, he, he wants them to, to see him. Uh, but he also wants them to know that there is way more to him than a wheelchair. I and and he, he doesn't really care what, what other people think. He doesn't assume that they're thinking bad of him right. or thinking different of him. He doesn't really even try to entertain what they're thinking. Right. Because un unless he takes the time to go ask him, hey, what are you thinking? He'll never know. So he doesn't. Again, going back to that word assumication, he doesn't assume others are trying to communicate something bad to him. He just he just goes to do himself, right? Right. I'm going to show you who I am. Right. What what is uh, and you may have already answered this, but uh, if you if if you have, I think it bears repeating. Uh, what is one thing that uh, Dallin and even uh, even Colby, let's I mean we throw her into the mix too. What what is one thing that they've taught you uh, th throughout life? Maybe they you wouldn't have known if you didn't have a child with with uh, special needs. So there's an old adage, and it, and it's biblical, but uh, Dallin lives it. 100%. All things are possible through Christ who, who strengthens me. Uh, it's in Matthew. Dallin put teeth to that verse for me. Dallin and Kobe know that all things are possible. And it just doesn't have to be a religious thing. They, they believe, believe this with all their heart. They live it. There's nothing that they can't accomplish. And if, if they've taught me anything is they can't, uh, everything's possible. If you, if you want it, you can make it happen. If, if you truly want it, you just have to find that way that works for you to make things possible. Mm. Right. So I think the, the short answer is they, they really put the teeth into, uh, all things are possible. And it looks like we're going to uh, run out of time. So I want to go back and correct, if you don't mind. Sure. If you want to get a hold of us uh, or me, it's uh, 
IP Coaching 20. IP at, Coaching 20, okay. Uh-huh. And then uh, www.ipcoaching.net. Very good, and, folks. Well, now you know how to get a hold of them. And before we do run out of time, Tim, one of the other questions I wanted to ask you is, it's fair. It's, um, I have a sister, and I know Dallin has a sister. Uh, um, and uh, how did you as parents, because there does have to be more attention, I'm assuming when Dallin was growing up, maybe some more attention paid to him because he needed a little bit more help in certain areas. But how did you and your wife and as a family navigate that so that your daughter knew growing up she was just as important as as Dallin in, in the endeavors that she was doing? Wow. So I was lucky in the sense that Dallin and my daughter are 10 years apart. Okay. So, so that really helped me out. However, it, it still creep, you know, came in, right. came into play, uh, because there was a time that, uh, it seemed like we were really pampering Dallin, uh, probably giving more to him. And it's, I think that's natural when, when you're living close day in, day out with a, a, a child versus a child in another state or whatever. They see it from afar. And I I think there might have been, you know, a little bit of you give him a little bit more than you ever gave me. Right. And and I, I don't know that I had to justify it, <clears throat> but and the way I did was you're right. Maybe I am. And I see him every day and and I'm t I'm seeing needs that he needs to be uh, helped with. So I'm right. trying to fill those voids. Right. And I don't really know how long I'm going to have this, have him. Right. No, I, I just don't. So if I can make both of your lives happier, let me know what I can do to, to do that. Right. Right. And then what's interesting is uh, my daughter ended up with a special needs son. Mm-hmm. Now it's, I understand. Yeah. And, and it, it's not that you want to treat them differently. You just end up do treating uh, special needs people a, a little bit different because you want to make sure that you're not offending them. You're not hurting them. You're uh, making everything possible for them. And I think with my children, I respect both of them equally. I don't, mm. I don't ever intentionally disrespect either one of them. Uh, so I think respect goes a long way whenever you're trying to connect with people. Right. So, uh, but yes, those things happen. And it's just one of those things that that's where honesty comes in. Mm. We're, we're having those hard conversations really steps up and, and how honest are you going to be with yourself? Right. Don't, don't sugarcoat it. If you're giving more to one, yeah, I'm giving more to one right now, but I'll give more to the other later. Or maybe it's, it really has nothing to do with material things. And is it, and it's, it's so interesting to me. And, you know, many people are going to be listening to this podcast and we don't know what religious background they come from or what faith background they come from. 
But isn't it interesting to me? It's interesting to me that I believe I'm just going to use my mom for an example. When she was growing up, one of her best friends in the neighborhood had, um, I believe it was polio and he used crutches. And she has said to me on several occasions that she believes her friendship with him prepared her to be a parent to me. And so it's interesting to me. I believe that we're, we're, we're given the things that we need to be given in the time that we need to be given them. So you say, you're telling me that you, you know, you have Dallin and then now you have a, uh, grand, is it a grandson? I believe you said with special yes, needs. Yes. And isn't yes. it, it just, it sort of seems, uh, I want to say almost, full circle kind of yeah and i i also agree with you uh life prepares you for life right and and i think that's that's very important yeah uh but at, at the end of the day if you respect people and take care of people whether it's family or or whatever right just respect them love them and it's not about giving to one more than the other. It's about loving them the same right. and being able to yeah. show that. But understand that the love on one side, the needs could be different than the love on the other side. Right. So it's it loving them different. the same as individuals. Right. And also, I think it's just good as a society that we oh, yeah. start just looking at people as for who they are, not not what they are. Right. And I do believe that we need to have more conversations with each other. So, but have the conversation to be, to understand rather than to be understood, then we can connect. And let me also say this while we're talking about this and then we'll end the podcast, but it's interesting to me because so many times and I, Dale and I have talked about this, he'll be out at the store with Colby or with you guys, and I'll be out at the store with my mom or my sister or when I was dating somebody, a girlfriend, and and a young child will say to their mother or father, why is he in a wheelchair or why is she in a wheelchair or why is she blind or whatever the case may be. I understand, and I want to get your thoughts on this too, I understand that that's a very hard position for a parent to be in, right, in the moment. But when you say to the child, don't look, don't stare, that just tells them that there's something that they shouldn't be looking at that makes them me or Dallin or whoever may be different than them. And that builds up the walls. What say you to that? And and I'm sure you've seen that in your time too. So we did. We, we ran into that multiple times. And uh Dallin came to me. He's like, Dad, what do I do when kids are staring at me? I said, son, they're curious. I said, that's all they are is curious. Mm -hmm. So if you want to be the leader, if you want to help them out, if you truly care about them, answer their questions. Turn around and say, hey, what's, do you have, uh, what questions do you have of me? You know, and little kids will They'll, they'll ask some of the nastiest questions that nobody in their right mind would ask, right? But those are questions that the kids need to have answered. So 
I, I told Dallin, as an ambassador, you need to answer those questions. Mm. Turn around and ask them, invite them into your world for a minute so they can have a better understanding. I grew up much like your mom, don't look at them, right? That's not the right answer. The right answer is go, go learn about them. Let's right. learn about people and try to understand what they're going through. That helps, you know, the knowledge is in the understanding. Right. And if we take that, if we just take this, that from this podcast, that take a minute to understand, you'll gain a whole lot of knowledge. Right. And it's, it's also one of these things I, cause I do a lot of public speaking as well, talking to younger kids and, and uh, it's interesting because one of the things I'll say to them is we're all disabled in our own ways, right? We all have things that we're not good at. So if I'm talking to a group of young children, I'll say, raise your hand if you don't like to do your homework. And everybody raises their hand in the classroom. And I say, let's for a minute pretend like that's your disability, right? Now, don't run home and tell your parents I'm disabled so I can't do my homework tonight. <laughs> but I want you to pretend like that's your disability. You can work at it to become better at it and to become stronger. And, and then just like I can work at my disability to become stronger and to become a better person. And then at the end of the day, that makes them no different than me and me no different than them. And then, of course, at the end of the talk, you all see the kids raise their hand and they'll say, uh, wheels. I was disabled once because I was in a wheelchair because I stubbed my toe. And you laugh, but in a sense, you understand that that young child now understands what you're talking about. Right. And that's what it's all about. Yeah. That that really is what it's all about. Tim, thank you so much. Coach Tim, <laughs> coach, I'm just going to call you friend because I feel like uh, we've become uh, really good friends over last night and then this last hour. Uh, let me just say this to you, uh, my friend. You've done a, a wonderful job uh, uh, raising your son. I, I've got to find a way to get your wife and your daughter on the podcast now so that I can say I've had the, <laughs> the whole family on. Uh, so we'll, we'll keep working on the wife. The daughter wouldn't be a problem. She'd probably uh, all right, We'll in. work on it. And uh, But thank you so much. I so appreciate this uh, my friend and uh, ladies and gentlemen, this has been another wonderful edition of Wednesdays with Wheels. I hope that you walk away from this podcast after you listen to it or you've watched it with your eyes open um, and think, you know, maybe now when I come across somebody with a disability, I, I, I'm not as as nervous as as maybe I would have been before because there's a lot of good people out there that are willing to answer questions and you should add, ask those questions the right, if they're asked in a, in an appropriate way, in a polite way, you should not have problem getting an answer because I've always believed that if I want somebody to understand what it's like to be me and to be Dallin, we have to help people do that. And so that was the aim of this podcast. Also, to maybe get you to think of how, how do I become a better person? And uh, maybe you can take some of the tools we talked about here through the coaching and, and activate those in your own life. And, and if you want more information, you know how to reach uh, Tim and uh, get some coaching. And uh, I'm going to call on him from time to time. I think when I need, when, when my course gets 
steered off the wrong way and I need a little bit of a co-pilot, I'm going to call on Tim and appreciate him for that. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been another episode of Wednesdays with Wheels. We'll be back next week with another great guest. Ladies and gentlemen, have a great night. We'll see you real soon. Wheels, thank bye, you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.